0: I'm Chris Charisma, and this is the Rapcast brought to you by Raptors Republic, and we're going one-on-one with Aaron Rose, Raptors reporter for Sports Illustrated. Find the show on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow Raptors Republic on all socials. We're only... A few nights away from the Raptors preseason opener and more significantly the team's first game back in Toronto since the pandemic on this show we're going to preview that very game against Philly dive into the frenzy that was media day or media week and of course we'll be playing can you settle this for us but first Aaron. This is the first time we've really gotten a chance to kind of formally speak or interact. I know we followed each other uh, on Twitter quite some time ago, but again, we've never had a chance to speak one-on-one. So thank you for agreeing to come on, on the RAPcast.
1: Thank you for having me. And, and you're right, it's an exciting time um, to be a Raptors reporter and I'm sure a Raptors fan as we are finally on the precipice of heading back to Scotiabank Arena for the first time in, in almost, I guess, two years now. Yeah,
0: Again, it's a uh, exciting time for those following the team, fans of the team. Um, it's, good, it's good to be back in the city. Before we actually get into talking about the team, let's just talk about the fact that you took part in your first in-person Raptors Media Day. Just talk a little bit about what was that
1: like for you? Well, it it was very weird for me because I've been covering the team for, you know, since the pandemic started, I actually signed my contract to cover the team, the day Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID. So I had these plans of coming home to Toronto and going to see the Lakers play the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena little did I know that in a few hours, our whole world would change basically forever. And the next time I'd see the Raptors play, they'd be in a bubble somewhere else. And I'd be watching from my couch at home. So um, it's been a weird, almost, I guess, 18 or 19 months um, since I started. But heading to to in person, as you said, my first in person Raptors media day, it was was great getting to meet the other reporters who I guess I know their voice. They know my voice from our time together on Zoom, um, but I had never really met them in person. I did get a chance to go down to summer league and and see my first in-person Raptors action down there. Um, but in terms of media day, I thought there were definitely some interesting things said, and we can talk about those things. It was good to see Pascal Siakam back at home. He looks more comfortable. He, he's in a new role this season, sort of as a, as a, the guy maybe he wants to be called or or the man who's, who's, who's leading this team along with Fred Van Vliet. Um, Bobby answered some interesting questions sort of about roster construction. And we can chat about those things, but on the whole, it was, it was great to just be back at Scotiabank arena for, for the first time, for me, I guess, as a, as a Raptors reporter.
0: Just kind of one more thing we can kind of touch on when it comes to you and getting to attend media day, what about the whole experience was exactly what you expected and then on the flip side what about the experience wasn't what you expected or
1: maybe caught you by surprise i'm not sure how much really surprised me Uh, i wasn't expecting to be on camera and i noticed that after (laughs) that i was like slouched over in my chair and they were filming people asking the questions they don't do that in zoom um, but but for the most part, it, it wasn't nothing too crazy. I guess I had covered the Toronto Blue Jays a few years ago. So I was used to being in scrums and asking questions, I guess, in press conference settings. So nothing too out of the ordinary. But as I said, uh, it's it's sort of weird when the first time you're you're face to face with Nick Nurse is is 18 years after you've gotten to know, or sorry, 18 months, excuse me, after you've gotten to know one another, um, he knows my voice, I know his voice, we've chatted right. a whole bunch, but never face-to-face. So it was, again, weird to see these guys in person where you've had this sort of quasi-relationship, but you still need to introduce yourself. Hey, I know who you are, you know who I am, but I'm Aaron Rose, nice to meet you. Yeah, that is a a very unique
0: scenario, one that may probably, hopefully not happen again to future reporters covering the team. Um, but just kind of diving right into it, Aaron, in, in the last show, we had Stephen Lung of Sportsnet on as our guest. We talked of, about a variety of different things, that including Pascal Siakam, OG, Dragic, Gary Trent. And it took, it took everything out of me to not bring up who has seemingly been the star of Raptors media day, media week, Scotty Barnes. And I say the star of media day, but man, he's carried Raptors social uh, on all platforms, all off season. And we've heard a lot in the last couple of days, last couple of weeks about his energetic persona. And I know it's impossible to be on all the time, but did you get a bit of that infectious energy and that, charismatic personality from him in person?
1: Well, well, you say it's impossible to be on all the time. And, and I'm sure you're right. I'm sure he goes to bed at night and maybe he <laughs> shuts down or maybe he's frustrated from time to time. But I, I'm yet to see that. And I'm sure Raptors fans uh, from everything they're posting on social media are yet to see frustrated or quiet Scotty Barnes. But I think you're right. The Raptors haven't had a player like that sort of high energy, you know, the opposite of Kawhi Leonard in quite some time. And this season might not be necessarily the most glamorous season. Certainly it probably pales in comparison to sort of the peak. We, the North era, obviously the Kawhi Leonard season, and even some of the ones before that. But when you're sort of a 500 team, it's nice to have a guy that's going to be high energy that is playing funky music is dancing around sort of the, the the breath of fresh air that someone like Freddie Gillespie brought last season as, as a player, off the bench, sort of at the end of the bench. I remember, you know, we saw him dancing to the Miley Cyrus songs and singing, mm-hmm. and, and he just felt like sort of new blood that a team sort of in the final days of that season when everything was going wrong really needed. And we're talking about a player who, you know, by all expectations, and certainly should be much, much better than Freddie Gillespie and should be around for a very long time. So I think you're definitely right. It's great for the organization to have. It's great for the fans to have. And, and obviously, you know, him being a successful player is paramount and is the most important thing, but he's going to be able to energize the team. He seems like a great locker room player. And, and he certainly still has a ways to go as a, as an NBA player, but, but there's certainly a lot of promise and you can see what the Raptors liked in him um, coming out of the draft.
0: Now, just staying on Scotty Barnes here for a little bit longer, Raptors Republic recently released its annual preseason roundtable. You can check out part one and part two on raptorsrepublic.com. One of the questions that was asked in that roundtable, Aaron, pertain to two players who will likely be compared to one another over the next few years. And depending on their trajectories, maybe over the course of their entire careers, and that's Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs, how did you view these two in the weeks leading up to the draft and how has that opinion evolved since then?
1: Listen, I think I was as surprised as anyone else that the Raptors went with Scotty Barnes over Jalen Soggs. I can take you behind the scenes and tell you that I had a story pre-written ready to publish the moment uh, commissioner silver made the announcement. And I was ready for him to say, you know, the Raptors have have selected Jalen Soggs hit publish and we're off and running. I had to do some scrambling work because that's obviously not the way it went. And and to me, I thought Suggs was sort of more of a sure thing and and a player that by all accounts will be a very, very productive NBA player for many, many years. Looking back on it now, it's clear with the way the Raptors have filled out their roster over, over the summer, what they were looking to do. And learning more and talking to Nick nurse more, it's clear how he sees the organization. So what do I mean by that is that the Raptors want a team that's full of six foot seven, six foot eight, six foot nine guys who can switch everything successfully. They don't want to just switch to switch but they want to switch and be disruptive and have these crazy long arms. They want to look like an octopus out there and they're, they're spread their tentacles across the court and really disrupt defenses. And I sort of was joking with Nick nurse today. And I said, you know, have you ever met anyone who, who shot, you don't think you can fix, you know, do you think you can fix my shot? Yeah. And yeah, Basically, his answer was, he, he joked at first and said like, no, I, I haven't come across anyone yet. But there's clearly a confidence he has that he can fix basically anyone's shot who's willing to work at it. And we know from everything we've seen so far, Scotty Barnes is a player who's going to put in the work. Uh, all, by all accounts, he has a great work ethic coming out of Florida State. He seems like a guy who's going to work hard with the Raptors. And if he's willing to put in the time, and again, he seems like it, Nick Nurses is, is the shooting guru. He literally wrote a book on shooting, and he's confident enough to make me a very good shooter. So Scotty Barnes has basically everything else as a player. He's a dynamic playmaker. He's fast in the half court, sorry, in, in the full court. He's a... a great rebounder he's a phenomenal defensive player and maybe you know i'm not going to put him on the ben simmons level of player quite yet Mm -hmm. but maybe the difference between him and ben simmons is a willingness to learn to shoot and if he can become a much better shooter than ben simmons even if he's never quite as good as ben simmons in some of those other areas of the game well you're talking about a really really special player if he can ever you know accomplish those things that nick nurse is so good at teaching
0: yeah. And I guess really that's just the, the first step for Scotty Barnes. We know he has the staff around him to take him to where he needs to go. And, and like you said, as long as he's a willing shooter and that evolves into becoming a viable shooter for me, anywhere between 30 to 35%, maybe in the first year. And I think we're laughing with Scotty Barnes. We've got Aaron Rose Raptors reporter for SI. This is the rap cast brought to you by Raptors Republic. Um, Aaron, in in preparation for this, I I stumbled onto your TikTok account, and you've been really committed and consistent on there when it comes to that side of your content. I've enjoyed a lot of what you've put up there. Um, Great stuff, very consistent, very entertaining. I love the voices you do uh, as well in some of those videos. As everyone who uses TikTok understands and knows It's a platform that lives on trends. And so, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, now that you've gotten a chance to hear the players speak, you've heard Bobby speak, Nick speak these past few days, who are some of the players that are trending upwards for you that necessarily weren't prior to media week?
1: Who are the players that are trending upward? I would say Pascal Siakam as long as he gets back healthy and we, everything we've heard in terms of his recovery has been a good sign. And last season was so, so sort of strange for him. So, you know, you can't trend much higher than he is as, as sort of one of the best players on the team, but in terms of optimism for a bounce back, we saw he added the playmaking last season, something he he didn't really have in the past. His three point shooting was, you know, borderline atrocious last season, but that should be much, much better because it has been in the past. So that's a player that maybe, I I know fans have given him a hard time over the past Mm -hmm. 18 months, basically, but that's a player who I'd expect to bounce back and trend in the right direction. uh, Once he gets back healthy, as Michael Grange reported, probably sometime around American Thanksgiving. in terms of viral trending, uh, we've already talked about Scotty Barnes as a guy who should always be trending because he's just such a high-energy, um, exciting player. Um, he, he's just been dynamic and, and, and fun to talk to. Um, we spoke to Precious Achua today, and, and he's by all accounts been been great in, in training camp. And I think he's going to have a pretty important role, certainly this season, but also um, in the future as potentially sort of an important center um, for this organization for many years to come. And one of the things Nick nurse said, he didn't really realize about him was how dynamic he is grabbing a rebound and running up the court. And he said, I think it was the first uh, summer league game that he saw him do that. And he didn't know he had that tool in his bag. And that jumped out at me at summer league was okay. This is the guy who's, who's pretty comfortable bringing the ball up the court. And that's something the Raptors put so much pressure on. They really want their bigs to be able to grab it and go and kickstart that, 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 transition offense. And that's something precious is, is able to do. And if he can add some shooting and again, we talked about Nick nurse's shooting camp as he calls it, or night school. Um, if he can add that to his game, that's another player. I'd see trending in the right direction. Yeah, it should be.
0: I think despite what will likely be an up and down Raptor season, there are so many little pockets of fascinating narratives that I think everybody's waiting to see unfold. Um, One narrative that I think every Raptors fan, reporter, follower has kind of latched themselves onto uh, revolves around OG Ananobi. It's going to be a big year for him. Yesterday you put out an article, um, which you guys can all check out on SI.com, specifically diving into OG Ananobi and whether or not he can take that next step but more noteworthy, your piece reminds Raptors fans that the improvement or lack of improvement that OG has this year will most likely set the table for the next era of Raptors basketball. Expectations are sky high right now for OG. Do you think those expectations are maybe a little too high? And if not, what do you think are some factors that could prevent OG from reaching some of those lofty goals fans have for him?
1: Well, well, if the expectations are, you know, he's going to be the next Kawhi Leonard, then, then that's pretty, you know, outlandish because he's, you don't see that kind of developmental curve very often, mm-hmm. but that being said prompted or unprompted at times, every time we've spoken to Nick nurse, Masayu Ujiri, or Bobby Webster, OGN and name has come up as a player that they're really optimistic about. I'm thinking back to Masai's press conference a little while ago, where I think he unprompted said he sees a very, very bright future for OGN and now, We reporters know that that's something the fans want to hear about, so we'll ask those questions. What do you think of the future of OG? And they always talk about how high those expectations are. So, it's not just the fans who are putting on those high expectations for OG. It's it's the people within the organization who have seen everything he's doing this summer, who also are putting on those high expectations. So, so I have nothing to uh, to go from other than saying that they clearly think that he has, you know, star potential in the future and as you mentioned in that article, I put that he's a player that's really sort of pivotal. We know for the most part what Pascal Siakam is, we know what Fred Van Vliet is, but this is a guy in OG Ananobi who's really entering his prime. He's so young, but he's also sort of a leader on this team, and he, he feels like he's been around for a little while, but I think he's 24 years old. He's entering a stage in his career where, you know, if this team, if this group ever becomes a championship organization again, gets back to that peak of just a few seasons ago, it's going to be because OG developed into a real difference maker on both ends of the court. We already know he's sort of all NBA, all defensive caliber defensive player, maybe a defensive player of the year at some point in the future. But if he wants those accolades, it's going to have to come down to being a more offensively dynamic player. And at times he struggled with his offensive creation. I think it was a uh, DeMar DeRozan last season who said he used to have hands of cardboard and he, he couldn't dribble the ball. And we've seen him at times, you know, dribbling the ball off his foot and sort of fumbling it away. But At times last season and certainly after the trade deadline when Norman Powell was traded away, the Raptors gave him the ball a little bit more and he wasn't a superstar by any means, but he took steps forward. And I think with Pascal Siakam out to start the season, there's going to be even more on OG's plate and and he's going to have to learn from that. And we already talked about it. It might not be the most pretty season this year. There will be growing pains and I would expect that from him as well. But as we've seen, you put those players in those situations where... They can, you know, learn from their mistakes and they have the ball in their hands. And hopefully next year, OG's, you know, a a real star candidate and and maybe those expectations are too high. But as we talked about the organization somewhat putting those expectations on him. So there might be some growing pains this year, but for the next couple of years, it should bode, bode well for OG and then the future of this organization as a whole with him sort of as one of a couple centerpieces.
0: One more thought on OG before we, we move on to can you settle this for us? In your piece uh, for Sports Illustrated, you had a quote from Bobby Webster in that he's hoping OG is able to expand his offensive game without sacrificing any of what makes him very special defensively. For you, if you had to give a, you know, early preseason kind of prediction. What are your expectations for OG numbers wise? And then as a follow up question to that, do you think not having Pascal early on impacts OG's development positively or negatively?
1: I think to answer your second question first. Having Pascal sideline for the first year and a year first few months, excuse me, is is going to impact him positively in the long run. Now, Raptors fans might get upset when he <laughs> dribbles the ball off his foot a couple times in the first few games of the season, but hopefully, he learns from those mistakes he realizes where his feet are and he and he progresses because he's going to be we, we talked about being the guy and that's something Pascal Siakam wants to be this season but with Pascal Siakam not around then OG and Fred Van Vliet are sort of going to have to be that guy and we've seen Fred do that but he's not you know in this day and age you want to sort of have a wing who's that guy who can do sort of everything and with OG size he's in a position where he Without Pascal, he's going to have to do that. So I think that bodes well for him down the road, even if there are growing pains this season. And and you talked about uh, the quote from from Bobby Webster, making sure that OG improves offensively and doesn't give up that defensive um, intensity. And that, at times, I think maybe has been a critique of Pascal Siakam, where... He was a very, very good defender in his first few years and, and was sort of a rim runner who wasn't asked to do much on the offensive end of the court. But as his offensive skills improved and as he was asked to do more offensively, I think at times over the past two years, you could probably say his defense has come down a little bit. And that's not something, that's something the Raptors obviously with both Pascal Siakam and, and OG, OG and Anobi, excuse me, that's something they don't want to see. They want you to improve your offensive game. And and, well, keeping that defensive intensity at the same level, we haven't seen a drop off from OG, but we could, as he's asked to do more offensively. And that's somewhat understandable because you have to give so much energy on the offensive end. We've seen it with players like LeBron James, even, but it's a lot to ask for, but something the Raptors are asking for from those guys. Now, in terms of OG's numbers over the season, you know, in the first little while you might have some of those empty stats games where the Raptors are losing, but because he's sort of the centerpiece of the team, he could put up some 20, 25 point, even 30 point per game. So we've seen him do that in the past when guys are out, when Norman Powell is out, when Kyle Lowry sidelines, sometimes when Pascal Siakam's out and he has to take on more of that role. But if he can be in that 20 point per game, even just below that 18 points per game for the course of the season with his defensive intensity, as long as his shooting numbers aren't tailing off, you know, he's, he's going to be asked to take more off the dribble shots as opposed to, you know, uh, catch and shoot shots that he's been taking in the past. So as long as he's able to increase his volume of shots without dropping off those shooting numbers, staying above 40%, 45%, hopefully around 50% from the floor and keeping those, you know, 35, 38% from behind the arc, that would be huge for the Raptors this season. Yeah. I think for me personally,
0: I can't decide yet whether or not I'm more excited about watching Scotty Barnes develop or OG develop all season long. It should be fun for Raptors fans, regardless of which direction it goes. And speaking of all season long, something we'll be doing, Aaron, on this show is a little segment called, Can You Settle This For Us? I'm not sure if you saw or listened to the last episode, but I asked Stephen Lung of Sportsnet various questions that we know our listeners are bringing up in their private group chats, right? These are things that my buddies are arguing about whenever they come to hang out. Um, These are questions that we see the community bring up on social. And as someone who covers the team professionally, you're going to help steer us in the right direction. So hopefully- Hopefully, yes. Uh, First question comes from I'm Andy, who is a member of the Raptors Republic community, and he made a comment on the website after listening to the previous episode. He asked, why are Van Fleet, Siakam, and OG always referred to as that core, core three? And then he proceeded to initially suggest someone like Gary Trent Jr. as someone who should be added to that group. For me, I refer to those three, as the core as they have the tenure right they had that they have that carryover experience from the 2019 championship run but if there was one player on the roster you could add to that trio to make it a core four is it trent barnes precious malachi even aaron can you settle this for us
1: well, it's a complicated question because I guess it depends how you look at the core. Is it the core of the future, which could include Scotty Barnes as probably the highest potential of that group? So if you want to talk about the core for the future, it's probably Fred, Pascal, OG, and I'd probably put Scotty Barnes in there over Gary Trent Jr. But if you're talking about the leadership core, and as I wrote about in my piece recently, there was a meeting with Masayu Jury with Pascal Siak and Fred Van Vliet and OG Inobi as sort of the leadership core of the group. Now, if you're talking about it like that, guys who have been in the system and know the system and have been around the league, you can either put Goran Dragic in that group because he's yeah. been around for a while and he's a leader, although we don't know how long he'll be with this organization long term, or someone like Chris Boucher who is, is an older player has been in the organization for, I think this he's going on his fourth year. So it's a complicated question because it depends how you look at the definition of core. But if you're looking long-term, I'd probably put my fourth guy as Scotty Barnes. If you're looking at leadership, I'd either put Dragic or, or Chris Boucher in that group. I like
0: the direction you took with that, with the, with the Dragic and Chris Boucher. I really like that. Um, let's do another one. One more we're playing. Can you settle this with us? with Sports Illustrated's Aaron Rose. One topic of interest during media day and on social has been the Raptors center rotation. It's been such a wild ride since Mark Gasol put on an absolute clinic during that championship run. You know, we had Gasol, unfortunately, sputter in the bubble playoffs the following year. And then we moved to an awkward collection of bigs that included, you know, Baines. Len, that evolved into Gillespie, now Birch. Obviously, we can throw in the aforementioned Boucher in there. This year, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up taking on that five spot during closing minutes of tight games. Who ends up grabbing that role, in your opinion? Can you settle this for us?
1: I would say, at least for the first little while, I I would put Kem Birch in that position. He'll certainly, at least in my opinion, start as the team's starting center. Now, it'll depend on, on who the team is going up against. I think I think the Raptors will have a pretty sta- stable starting rotation, but their closing unit could change night to night. So are they playing a team like Boston who maybe has some undersized guys? I guess Al Horford's there who has some size, but maybe they go smaller. We know they did that against Daniel Tice in the playoffs a few years ago where you could see OG and as your mm-hmm. starting center if you want to look at it that way. I know the Raptors are going so positionless. They don't even want to use positions. Or are you going up against a team like the 76ers and you have Joel Embiid and now you're going to need, frankly, somebody much taller than Ken Birch. And that's maybe the biggest question with this roster right now is, and I basically asked Nick Nurse this, What are you going to do when Joel Embiid comes to town? Who are you going to throw at somebody like that? And that the Raptors actually had success last season. I know Aaron Baines is maybe has a name like Voldemort around here, (laughs) but you need a player with that much size And, and Baines held his own relatively well against Joel Embiid last season. So that's my big question. And I'm not sure I can necessarily settle that because I'm not sure the Raptors have a great answer. I think they're going to throw a couple different bodies at whoever um, is coming to town if it's one of those big guys, Jokic or Valanchunas. Um, but if the Raptors are going to go small, I would put it as someone like Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi, depending on how you look at that. If they're going to go big, I put Kem Birch now and then maybe down the road a couple seasons from now, somebody like Precious Achiuwa could see taking over that spot.
0: Regardless of uh, who it is, it should be quite the adventure at the five spot again this year. I I, I really enjoyed that Harry Potter Voldemort reference uh, for Aaron Baines, a wild ride for him last season. Before we let you go, Aaron, we have to preview the Raptors preseason opener against the Philadelphia 76ers. Preseason is always a Funky time because you either hate it and despise it or you love it too much. I guess really the first thing is what will you be on the lookout for or what would you like to see from the raps in this first game against Philly.
1: Well, maybe not related to the Raptors, but is Ben Simmons going to be coming to Toronto? Because that's something I guess in the stadium I'll be looking out for my understanding is probably not but that's such a crazy situation right now for Philadelphia that I I wonder if he'll be here but it sounds like he won't be. As for uh, what what preseason things I'm looking for, it'll probably be that rotation and how the young guys look. It's sort of like summer league almost. Um, but how are those young guys looking? Malachi Flynn had a spectacular preseason last year, and then when the season started, he took a step back before the end of the season. So I would say I would caution fans don't buy into preseason storylines that much. We have to take everything with a grain of salt, but. Do some of these guys, and one of the things I'll be looking at, I guess, is shooting. We talked about Nick Nurse's night clinic, where he brings all the young guys in and teaches them how to shoot. But does Precious Achua look like he's shooting the ball way more? I think he took maybe one or two three-point shots all of last season. Is he shooting the ball more? How does Scotty Barnes look shooting the ball more? Does he does he look more confident? Is he shooting up in that you know, you you mentioned that 35 range. That would be a great number for him as a rookie season. So those things don't change too much in the regular season. Obviously, you have guys closing out quicker, but I'd be looking at how these guys are shooting and, and how Nick Nurse looks at the rotation. We might get some hints as to uh, the roster construction in terms of who's going to be making it out of those final six guys, but also up front. Does he want to run the the two-guard set with Dragic and, and uh, Fred Van Vliet to start? Games or does he want to go with Dragić off the bench and and somebody like Gary Trent Jr. for a little bit more sort of shooting? There are a couple of different storylines and, and those I think are the ones that jump out at me that I'll be following for uh, the preseason opener.
0: I'm glad you brought up the the 76ers. We'll come back to the reps here in a bit, um, but like you had mentioned with Ben Simmons I don't know, no longer being a part of the process, right? They'll they'll be fully installing and and fully finally investing in a pro Embiid offense. Do you think they have the weapons around him to do that successfully? And what is your early outlook for this team?
1: Well, I'd say that some of it will depend on what they get back for Ben Simmons. If they if it's really disappointing, then I think they're going to have problems. Although we know that Daryl Morey is such a superstar big game hunter that he's only going to you know, barring some catastrophe and they might be heading that way if he really doesn't report all season, but they're looking for somebody like Bradley Beal, like Dame Lillard, a superstar that we know Daryl Morey has coveted so much in the past. So if they get someone like that, then, then they're, you know, in business and they're a team that should contend for an Eastern Conference championship, um, something that they've tried to do in the past and come up a little bit short. I think that for the first little while and certainly in the regular season, that even without Ben Simmons with him sidelined before a trade, um, if it goes that long into the season, that having Joel Embiid, as long as he's healthy, he's such a difference maker that they'll be able to be sort of a top team in the Eastern Conference, maybe outside of that top one, two or three, but even without Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid just leading the way, it's not like they're going to miss the playoffs in this Mm -hmm. season. So as long as they can do that and get by until they make that trade, I think having somebody like Joel Embiid, who when he's healthy is an MVP candidate, as long as you have somebody like that in this league, that's so star driven, you're going to go pretty far. And the 76ers have gone far with an offense that hasn't really worked in the past. And I think if they change that up um, with somebody, with more shooting around Joel Embiid and and focusing on him as opposed to, to Ben Simmons, that that they'll have a lot of success eventually when, when that trade does happen.
0: Last question, before we sign off here, the, the most, at least for me, the most entertaining part about preseason are the overreactions. If you had to make a fun and, and playful prediction after this first game against Philly, What do you think will be the most likely positive overreaction? And what do you think could be end up being the most likely negative overreaction?
1: Well, there's a good chance that Raptors fans come out of this game thinking that this is a team that's going to be maybe an Eastern Conference champion just because we know how Raptors fans react. And one preseason game will get everyone excited and and there's a chance that Scottie Barnes looks like a star and Raptors fans rightfully so, will get very excited about him. Um, I guess he's probably the most pivotal player because we haven't seen much from him in the past. And I don't know when the Orlando Magic are playing, but if it's across them or the day before or the day after there might be some questions asked and I don't think that'll be fair after one game. I remember being at summer league where it's game after game, after game, after game and Scotty Barnes plays on one court and, and Jalen Suggs plays on the other court and who has more points. And Jalen Suggs was coming up with big blocks at ends of game at the end of games. And people were like, what, what the heck are the Raptors doing? Why didn't they draft this guy? So I think that, you know, I remember draft night, I was getting people in my mentions saying, like, fire Masai Ujuri, he's he's trash, he hasn't done anything, you know, he's a disaster, he flubbed this pick. And I think that if Scotty Barnes has one bad night, which would be a crazy thing to to really judge him on, but if he has one bad night and Jalen Suggs is on Channel 2, lighting it up for the Orlando Magic, then, then there might be some questions asked, and I would say those questions should probably be reserved. Frankly, I would say that Jalen Suggs is probably going to have a better rookie season just because of the way the two organizations are set up. Scotty Barnes is probably a bench player for the Raptors, whereas Jalen Suggs might be the focal point of, of Orlando's offense this season. So I would say hold those that judgment, of course, past one game, but maybe hold it past you know, the end of the season, game 82, and make that judgment, you know, at the start of next season or, or even toward the end of next season when we see what they look like sometime down the road. Um, but those are probably the high overreaction. This is a, a championship team and Scotty Barnes is rookie of the year and an MVP or, or the Raptors don't know what they're doing, fire Masayu jury because he drafted uh, Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs and clearly that was the wrong pick after game one. The, uh,
0: the life of a, of a Raptors fan, all summed up there perfectly by Mr. Aaron Rose. I love it, Aaron, man. I, re- I really, really appreciate you joining us on the show today. We'd love to have you again throughout the season. As you had just mentioned, an 82-game season. Finally, NBA returning back to normalcy or as, a nor- as normal as it could possibly be. Tell our viewers on YouTube and our listeners on Apple Podcasts and Spotify where they can find your stuff and how they can follow you on social.
1: Well, well, you you gave me a great promo earlier on on SI.com, my Raptor stuff there. You can just type in Sports Illustrated Raptors or Aaron Rose, and you'll find most of my content. As you mentioned, I'm newly, relatively newly on TikTok, and that's Aaron Ben Rose. Hopefully, you find some of that stuff entertaining. I'm (laughs) trying to learn the new TikTok phase and trying to hop on the trend. So Aaron Ben Rose there and and Aaron Ben Rose on on TikTok or excuse me, on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, So basically all across your platforms and uh, if, if you need anything from me, if you have questions from me, feel free to shoot me a message on basically any social media. And as long as you aren't asking me for, uh, for reports on injury questions for your fantasy <laughs> team, because I will tell you that information as soon as I know. But before I know, I don't have any insider information on when Pascal Siakam's coming back or how's OG's shoulder, is he going to play tonight? So until we get that from Nick Nurse or, or the injury report, I don't have insider information. But as long as you're asking me questions that, aren't related to your fantasy team. I'm happy to respond. That's a, that's a good warning because fantasy basketball
0: drafts are about to ramp up here in the next couple of weeks. That's awesome. Um, but perfect. Yes, again, thank you so much, Aaron, for your time. Everyone keep it locked into the Rapcast all season long. Make sure you're following at Raptors Republic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. And if you thought the show had, you know, immaculate vibes, leave a like and subscribe on the platform of your choice. You can also interact with the community on RaptorsRepublic.com. On behalf of Sports Illustrated's Aaron Rose, I'm Chris Charisma. And this was the Rapcast. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll talk again next time.